This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have a couple of my friends on from Hawaii. So they just came over and spent three weeks hunting elk in the Wyoming backcountry. And so I get them on for a podcast before they have to catch a plane the next day and head home. But they just had this wild adventure. So it's my buddies, uh, Craig Hales and then Lonnie Boakman. And uh, both just really good guys, really good bow hunters, and they have great insight into finding elk, getting close to elk, as they've just spent uh, every bit of their effort trying to arrow one of these bulls in Wyoming. So uh, made for a great podcast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I know you guys will enjoy it too, and we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Savage Arms. So Savage builds the best uh, out-of-the-box accurate rifles on the planet. I'm so impressed by the groups of these rifles. It just doesn't take long to get them sighted in. They seem to get along with all different ammo types, and they have a bunch of different models. So they have models that are budget models that are great shooting rifles, all the way up to their 110 Ultralight, which we like in the office, which is a super lightweight synthetic stock rifle. And those synthetic stocks are really nice as they don't warp or bend or bow, they also seem to hide scratches or dings really well and look like the day you bought them. Uh, so these rifles also have an trigger, so it'll adjust the trigger pull, so you don't have to take it to a gunsmith to lighten up that trigger to get a more accurate shooting rifle. They also have the Accu stocks, which you can adjust the length of pull due to your arm length or your height. Uh, that way, that rifle fits you perfectly, and also the comb height, so it fits your face, uh, so you can really get seated into the rifle and make accurate shots. So, so impressed by these rifles. I have one built up that I'm uh, that I really like, and uh, we'll be using it for wolves this winter. And also have it in the truck as a backup. So, um, yeah, they just build great rifles and uh, really impressed. So if you're in the market for a new one, make sure to go check them out over at Savage. I also want to thank Swagger Bipods. Swagger Bipods uh, build really accurate bipods. So... Shooting really well with a rifle is all about having a good rest, and you couldn't get a better one with Swagger. They have a bunch of different models, a bunch of different heights of bipods, all the way so you can shoot from a standing or kneeling or from a sitting position. Also, they have uh, Benchmade ones. They make a quick release on it, so you don't have to carry the weight of the bipod on the end of your rifle. You can carry it on your hip and connect it when you get close. Uh, they also have shooting sticks. And why their bipods and shooting sticks work so well, uh, especially their bipods, are their spring tension loaded. And so you can adjust the the length of each bipod leg, but then you can also swivel it so you can put it out in front of you. It just makes shooting on steep uphill and downhill or side hill angles. Uh, it makes for like tracking your target really well. If say that bull starts walking to the right or walking to the left, you can swivel on that bipod, which is different than all other bipods out there. 
They're really high quality and again, just make for really accurate shooting, having that really good rest. So if you're in the market for new bipod shooting sticks, uh, make sure to check out Swagger. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that has absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. You can save 10% off your order with Elevated 10. You can save 20% off your order if you're a Tag Hub Elite member. So 20% off an order is crazy. Uh, but you can save that money in there and uh, the Elevated 10 promo code, uh, you don't have to be a Tag Hub member. You just save 10% off the top. And they have all the top name brands as well as their own name brand, which is high quality. So if you're in the market for any hunting gear, uh, just go on and save 10%. See if they have what you want. See if you can save a little bit of money and uh, get some great gear from a great company. And thanks to Black Ovis for their support of the podcast. I also want to thank Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app where they have... Uh, 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. You can save a pile of money on really good gear that's overstock or highly discounted. And um, man, I know my buddies save some money on this um, gear that comes up and they find some really good stuff in there. So you can check that out. Just download the app Camo Fire. And with that, over at Eastman's, yeah, we're just cruising along here. Uh, I've been writing a ton for the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, you can get a, a subscription to those. Uh, we also have uh, Tag Hub as we're going to start to get into tag application season. Uh, we've revamped our Tag Hub with interactive mapping and um, uh, just uh, ease of use. And so uh, we call it our Tag Hub 2.0. Really help you learn these states and opportunities that are available out there. So you can get that as well as our mule deer course. Uh, you want to learn to be a better mule deer hunter, uh, take our mule deer course. I've poured my heart and soul into it. 25 years of hunting mule deer, might even be 30 now. Uh, but 25 years experience, uh, Dan Picard is on there, Guy Eastman. Um, we've gone through and tried to put together the most comprehensive resource for hunting mule deer to learn all different seasons, different weapon types, and uh, different habitats. So you can get that, the mule deer course, just put in the promo code BRIANMDC. That'll also get you a free MagView Digiscope, uh, which I believe are the best ones out there. It's what I've been using to capture my digiscoping. Um, so yeah, you get a free one of those MagView with that promo code. And... Um, Man, check out our Beyond the Grid episodes. We just had an episode drop with Ike Eastman and uh, a couple episodes of mine on there from last year, a couple episodes of Dan's. And um, man, I just got to finish up, um, got to get some films made here for this year. It's going to be pretty bleak. I got that goat hunt that I filmed, which will be really cool. And um, man, the elk hunt, we filmed it, lost my cameraman, shot the kill sequence on a GoPro. I'm not quite sure if it's going to make a film or be good enough, but um yeah, just got to keep pushing here for late season mule deer. In fact, I'm going to go this weekend and i um, super stoked about that. So get out and do a little bit more bow hunting and see if I can uh, create a film here so I have something to release for next year. But check out the Beyond the Grids. There's some great episodes on there. And man, with that, um, yeah, let's get on this podcast. So uh, Craig Hales um, also runs... A podcast and you can check that out. I've been on a couple episodes last year when I was red deer hunting down there. Uh, it's called um, uh, Aussie Camp Down Under. Gosh, 
I got to get this right. I'll um I'll get it right on the uh, outro. Uh, I've listened to it. It's a really good podcast. So um, those guys have been doing a good job there. So you can check that out as well. Uh, and with that, let's get into this podcast. So my friends Craig Hales, Lonnie Boakman, um, both outstanding bow hunters and great human beings. And uh, yeah, they're just getting finished up with this Wyoming bow hunt. And so we're going to recap that and talk over some elk hunting. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Oh, I might have to get comfortable. I might fall asleep. Yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> Late night one. Well, yeah, um, man, I'm glad we were able to sit down, get you guys on live. Um, Lonnie, it's been so good. Like we met in Australia and then good to see you in person. And then Craig, we've been become good friends, like over the last handful of years and nice to see you out here again. I think my only regret regret was you guys went so hard. You had Wyoming tags this year and I wasn't able to join along with you. It sounded like a riot. You had your own things happening. So yeah, I, I was definitely hunting, hunting elk for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was good around here too. Yeah. It's fun. That was good. It was, oh, it's been in the works. The So Wyoming had been in the works for me for quite some, well, quite a few years. So I had quite a lot of points built up. Um, we're meant to have a pretty big crew coming this year. So, but as life and those kind of things get in your way, um, a few boys had to change their plans. So, mm-hmm. but uh, Lonnie was keen to spend his Wyoming points and I, I dropped mine in there too to make sure that we did draw and mm-hmm. we probably <laughs> we probably dropped a few people out because we had quite a few points going in. So Yeah, so you had saved up a bunch of points and then put in yeah. for an easier tag so you could get all four guys. And uh, you're starting to get quite a bit of experience here in the States. Like you hunt a bunch in Australia, but you've been coming over now for years and harvested some really good bulls. And then, like, I, I love how you guys did it, how you had never been to these places and you just showed up for three weeks and try to figure it out, man. It's just awesome. Yeah. And I think that's what, um, obviously it's a, it's a big commitment from home. Um, obviously it's not just us. We have plenty of family and wives and children back home to, to think, but you know, without the three weeks or probably even longer, honestly, we could go for another week, but, uh, or two, <laughs> especially at the moment, but change um, that flight. Yeah. <laughs> or another three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, doubt. But yeah, look, I, look, I'll, you know, I'll be pretty open. I had eight points. Um, Lonnie had four. Uh-huh. I knew that Lonnie at four probably wouldn't draw. We, we drew the general tag, uh, in Wyoming. So, um, it's something that I probably already skipped past. Uh, I probably didn't con- uh, consider the general tag obviously because I was in the higher point range. Mm-hmm. But when I looked at how sort of Wyoming's, you know, draw system works and potentially what I could draw, I, I don't know whether I ever would have caught the caught the curve. Um, there was a couple of units that I was looking for, but I'm a people person. Um, it's Lonnie's first trip, his first elk hunt, and I probably, you know, I, I probably wasn't going to miss that. You know, if I was sitting down in a unit on my own doing a solo thing and, you know, having these guys at that time, there was a group of us coming and I don't think I was going to miss out on that, so... So that's sort of how it came about and um, a couple of guys just, you know, had to pull out for personal reasons and mm-hmm. um, before the draw was finalised. So Lonnie and I made the plan and obviously annoyed you to, um, well, pretty much host this oh, really. Man. So. It, no, it's not annoying me. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, be able to home base out of here and then you yeah. guys took off. I haven't seen you for weeks, man. Yeah, you good. guys have been going for it. <laughs> Lonnie, <laughs> your first trip to the States, man. How awesome was it, Chase and Elk? 
just unbelievable. Like way more than I could have ever, ever have hoped for. Um, like I said to you, I've been dreaming about these landscapes since I was a little kid and like well before I even got into hunting. Um, so to come over and just witness those, see elk do their thing and all the other animals that, that come with it, it's just been a ride. And yeah, honestly can't think. I mean, I'm not up to date with the whole... Um, the whole tag system and how how it works. I'm slowly figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, with Craig and guys like yourself, and, um, yeah, I'm just really thankful uh, to be able to come over and do this. It, yeah, it just means the world. Yeah. yeah and man. we and we just went for it too. Oh, you We guys left did. nothing in the tank whatsoever. Good for you. And, That's um, the way to hunt. We crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not easy over here, and it's a testament to, like, your guys' hunting skill, like, uh, uh, you guys hunt so much back in Australia and go on these adventures and also just a testament to Craig, like all your research, like there's guys in the States that don't know the States and the draws and the units as well as you do. Like you've really dedicated yourself to like learning these systems over here and then coming over here each and every year, investing your time and energy. And like you say, you've got families and work, and then it's really important to you to get out here and have these adventures and this reset and so yeah man you've just been going crazy out here and especially like the last couple years like hunting montana last year wyoming and i just like man i am so impressed with your knowledge but also your guys's ability to figure it out like it's not easy to just like you guys had hardly any leads on wyoming or no real solid information and just went to go figure it out and spend your time and your energy and you guys did you guys chased bulls and bugles man it's beautiful yeah Yeah. we got into them and um unfortunately um spoiler alert neither of us were lucky enough to to cut a tag on an elk but um i mean we both had um instances there where we where we both passed up um, balls. We both had something in our mind where we um, where we wanted to hit, and um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, that just it didn't happen. But it didn't stop us from from crushing every single day, daylight, you know, dark to dark, really, um, and and sometimes you know, well beyond dark too. But um, yeah, just a just an awesome adventure, really. At the end of the day, when you did pass some balls, Craig, you're turning into <coughs> yeah. quite the bull snob, looking feel, for a, <laughs> looking like a, for a big shooter. I feel like I'm on repeat from last year, to be honest <laughs> with you. But um, yeah, look, it, it's oh look, we all know everyone that chases elk knows how much is involved with pack outs and um, you know those kind of things. Us getting trophies home and that kind of thing is is, is it's a full on deal. Um, and to me. You know, as as much as it's hard at the time to, um, you know, I guess realise that you you know you potentially is not going to hard like taking taking elk or whatever it is. But you know, we I come over here with a with something in mind. I've got a vision. Like you know, you I think you asked me before I left. You know, what are you chasing? And I said just something that really pops. Mm. And I just want that bull that goes, yeah, he's a good one. It doesn't have to be a certain score or anything like that. Like it's just one that gets you at the moment. And, you know, you'll let an arrow fly. And if it wasn't for a few aspens at it about three or four or five <laughs> times. Um, but look, you know, um, it's one of them things. Like my, my elk journey started in 2013. Um, so I did 2013, 2014. And then I did 2016, 2017. Um, it was Alaska in 18. Nevada deer in 19. Then COVID hit. So that's kind of buggered us a little bit there for a couple of years. And then obviously I was back with, with you guys here last year and, you know, my, my mindset hasn't changed. I, I just want to harvest a mature animal. 
Um, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of things that happen, um, you know, when you do harvest one. And, you know, we learnt pretty quickly they, you know, and I learned this a long time ago, that those big mature bulls we talk all the time, they don't come easy. You know, I passed 10 bulls, you know, so for, for the three weeks I had an opportunity to shoot 10 different elk. Um, but, it, you know, they weren't the ones that I wanted. They were, you know, young fives or raghorns or whatever they might have been. There was a pretty funky fellow about three or four days in. He was... I think he's a big old boy. You showed boy, me a video yeah. of him, yeah. Pretty heavy. Um, you know, I think I showed, you know, we we ran into some awesome people. Like, yeah. I've just got to say, like, you know, the, the, I guess the hospitality that we, we received in Wyoming from every single person that we stopped and talked to, I don't know whether it's just our accent or what, but look, we just couldn't thank everyone enough um, across the board that either you know had a had a bit of conversation with you or shared a bit of information there's a lot of deer hunters at the time because the deer season opened up midway through our hunt uh, and we'd help out where we could if we'd seen a, some bucks or deer or where we thought some you know some might be hanging but you know i think that was the biggest thing it was just all together and when i showed a few photos or videos to a few of these guys who were archery hunting elk i think they wanted to do me in because they just thought i was silly but it's but you that's know, the thing as well like uh, I guess there's probably a lot of guys out there wouldn't understand that um, we can't take the meat back to Australia. We don't we don't have that option. So for us to come over here, it's not so much of a meat hunt. It's more of a trophy antler hunt. So when Craig says that he passed up ten bulls, that's probably the reason why because yeah. that's that's going to be the gift to him to take out of the mountain will be will be the antlers whereas you know if yep. you, i'm sure if you were hunting for meat oh well we were any, done the first couple of days if we're we'll, exactly if, we'll, if, we're, if we're able to you know, if we're feeding our families here locally or um you know we obviously had plans to what we're going to do with the meat you know we had some local people to you brian that we we would have helped out there was plenty of camps and that that i'm sure that would have would have gladly received the meat used, and things yeah. like that it would have been used so we're you know certainly not going to waste but we, we, we do come with a different with a different mindset yeah. Um, so you know he's about the trophy and we're very proud of that um, Man, you know, it's, I, it's that chase and that's it you know it's um, you know we, we had some moments this, this few weeks you know I, I'm learning a lot like you know after last year I made if anyone's listened to the podcast of Brian's from last year you know, I made several pretty pretty you know rookie mistakes really from last year but this year I was super proud I hunted a lot more patient a lot fitter you know we pushed ourselves we did you know I think we did there was a couple of days there. I think the biggest day we did was 18 mile in a day. Um, yep. We weren't expecting to do that, but we probably would have packed in if we hadn't known that was going to happen. But, um, but you know, we've got plenty of people to thank. Um, they they know who they are. If they listen to this, that help us out. Yourself, Brian, had a couple of marks from your deer hunting. Um, I had another buddy that sort of you know gives some marks in a, in another area further south. Um, we we went down there. I guess this is where it gets into the tactics and you know how we sort of were feeling and. The, the flows of emotions as we got down into some other country that was a lot thicker, be, you know, big, steep, sort of, um, you know, deep country, but no glassing country, no real stalking country, a lot of deadfall. I'm sick of that word. Yeah. And we're not callers. <laughs> and, and we're not And we're not callers. Um, it's take not a leaf out of your book, Brian, you know, prefer to stalk, prefer to be a little bit unknown. Although I must say, look, a lot of the elk that we you know that that I did pass up were called because we we're getting into that kind of country where they were hanging up in a lot of the, the darker timber areas and and they were quiet. 
Um, so we, we only spent a few days in that kind of country, um, mm-hmm. a lot of miles in between on the truck, but we realised that that probably, it would have performed, there's no question. So we started hunting on the 8th or 9th of September. I think, the 8th. I think it was our first session. Yeah. We were down there around that 10th, 11th, 12th, um, and then we all know that really things really didn't start kicking off to what, the 16th? I think we were about the same day, I think, Brian. Yep. Um, I think I went 10 or 12 days before I heard of my first bugle. Yeah. 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 It was it was tough. It was a tough week. Like, and, and the reports were that Wyoming in general was tough. It was a very, very slow start. It was still quite warm. Um, no evening hunts. There was not a bugle. There was no action. There was nothing every afternoon at every single elk camp we spoke to. And I... You know, I believe there was a few other areas. I think Idaho's running the same gun at the moment as well, but there was just no afternoon hunting. It was just, unless you were right on a bull within 100 yards that you'd picked up, there was nothing. There was no going out, waiting for him to come out on the meadows feeding. That just wasn't happening. So we actually kind of nearly cut our, our hunt in half because we were only really getting morning sessions. Mm-hmm. And that made it really difficult mm-hmm. because you didn't know where to stay in the spot or not. Um, so, you know, so we stayed in this southern country um, only for a few days. We realised that it wasn't our type of country that we wanted hunted. We knew that it would, would, would have fired in there for sure, but we thought that we would get back to country that we we felt better in, um, which we can sort of bring our Aussie hunting sort of styles back, you know, and just, just going back to the wee something that we feel a little bit more comfortable about. Yeah, I think Comfortable, pretty- they're big mountains. Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't comfortable as far as the physicality of it. (laughs) No, it was. You guys did great. But, yeah, big mountains, more uh, uh, open parks with timber that you could see them and stalk them. Is Mm -hmm. that right, Lonnie? Exactly. Like The the vision I had before I came over was was that type of country that we ended up in. Um, Like Craig mentioned, like the the country that was further south wasn't really what I'd pictured. Um, And... With the lack of noise, um, it just wasn't really the the plays that that we were sort of really hoping for. Like I got no doubt that um, further further into the rut, they would have made a little bit of noise, and um, we could have made something happen there. But both Craig and I just thought it was a wiser decision to to play to our strengths and and um, get back up into that country that we're probably a bit more familiar with, and using the the the, the strategies that we sort of utilise at home to hunt our deer. So. And, that, and we didn't mention, like, obviously the hunting pressure. It was the general, t- it was the general tag. There's going to be hunting pressure. We know that. Um, but it was, it was probably a little bit more excessive down there because there's limited access roads. Uh, and there was wilderness down there too, which kind of probably put, uh, made it a little bit harder for ourselves because obviously we can't, as non-residents, we can't hunt in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of pushed a lot of the, the non-resident hunters, hunt, hunters into kind of the same area. So that made it a little bit difficult. Makes sense. Um, so that, yeah. So we, I guess by the 11th or 12th, I think we'll back up north. So I just love how all in you guys are. It's, um, you know, I just think that this is like a part of paying your elk dues and you guys are great bow hunters that are really successful. And I know that's the goal when you come over here is to arrow a big mature herd bull. And that's what we're excited about. And we all like me included, I set lofty goals for the season, but then you get there and you know it's it's just extremely difficult but you guys didn't lose your faith in the process at all you guys have been paying your dues like there's a lot of shortcuts you could take or not even shortcuts but just to um you know you could go to a a private ranch or something like that but you guys choose to hunt this public ground these draw tags and they're not 
uh, draw tags that are 20 point tags like you say they're uh, low point units and you guys just come over here pay your dues go all in for three weeks and give maximum effort every single day and you talked also about the hospitality Mm -hmm. and i think the hospitality like you know it's karma you get out of this world what you put into it here you guys are out you're friendly you talk to everybody i know you told me a story you walked out on a dad and a son when you were hiding in your truck because you had slept in a little bit (laughs) but you uh you walked up on a dad and a son and they were hunting and you could have gone right by him and chased bugles and instead you went up the steep ridge side next to him like you're giving guys their space as well and so guys are just returning that favor to you or you're sharing information about deer guys are opening up at where they're seeing elk or you know all these examples of you guys going in to eat at a restaurant and being friendly and talking to the host and then you know talking back to you and being friendly you know so i think like you get out of this world what you put in so i think that's like a lot of the the good karma that you guys have got getting along with guys on these hunts and things but man i just love your commitment level like over here for three weeks come over here get a rig you load up everything you need and coolers and you're just doing it the same way all of us blue collar guys are doing and all of us have to spend this time in the elk mountains like not only honing our craft of bow hunting which you guys are dialed in but like chasing a specific species in this different habitat you know and so i really feel like you guys are paying your dues and and also shooting for these really mature herd bulls like i I know how difficult it is. All my buddies know how difficult it is. Like, it's this supreme challenge, but you guys don't get weighted down by that, or you don't, uh, you know, you just carry this attitude of like, yeah, I know it's going to be tough, and I expect that, and I want that challenge, and you guys went out all in on this place. You moved around different locations, kept yourself into elk, heard bugles, had close calls, like, and then to come back, and you guys are dang near as satisfied as if you killed two big herd bulls. You well, know, you guys are like, man, we had the adventure. Uh, that's exactly right. And I think I'm pretty safe to speak for Craig in this instance, but we don't want it to be easy. We nah. want the struggle. That's why we bow hunt. You know what I mean? Like, we want the challenge. We want it to be hard. We want it to be drawn out to the last dying minutes. We, you know, like the the, the blowdown that you that you've got to crawl through and climb over and trip over and slip and the, the muscles that you probably never would ever use in a gym. Like we want the struggle of, you know, trekking through the snow and the rain and being wet to the bone and freezing cold and, and the getting back to the, the, the truck at 11.30 and having no water for the most part of the day. Like we want those struggles. It just makes it that much more rewarding when you get that bull of a lifetime or a deer of a lifetime or whatever it is that you're you're out there chasing you know what i mean so for us to not cut our tag on this particular hunt there is so many other aspects that we just crushed and that we get to take home and and be a better person for it like um again i'm sure i speak for, for craig here as well but um, we will leave here better people than when we arrived. You know what I mean? Stronger people, better people. We'll go back to our families and we'll and we'll we'll slide back into work and we'll be, be we'll be better for it for the for the um, for the sacrifices that we've had to make yeah. over the last three weeks. So. There, there's just something you know. Obviously, there's a lot of downtime in in Elkhunting and a lot of miles that we drove, so we had a lot of time to 
we have some random, very random conversations at times. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we you know, there's a lot My of fault. there's a, <laughs> both of us were equally to blame. You know, there's there's a lot of lot of you know deep and meaningful conversations that are hard. But I think the big one is that you know it's amazing what um, you know in this instance it's elk, and I don't think there probably is too many. I, I can't speak for sheep hunting because I've never done that, but there wouldn't be too many things that in life. You know, I play a lot of sport and those kind of things that that can push you to the limits that we pushed ourselves over the last three weeks. Physically and mentally. Both. It, it definitely It's a massively physical, but without that mental strength with it. You know, there was not one mountain, there was not one climb that we said, I'm not going there. We went out, there was one morning in particular, well, there was many, but that we knew there was a big snow, like a big front coming, and we had no idea there was snow involved in it, but because we're Australian, it doesn't snow in Australia very much. But, you know, we... We, you know, we booted up, kitted up. It was our first morning into this spot and massive thanks to the other two Aussie boys who had an absolute cracking trip um, that shared their spot. We didn't want to bother them until they tagged out and thankfully they did and shared their information with us. Um, just so happens we were in that exact same spot two weeks earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is what happens when it, you know, you, it's early season, we didn't see any signs, so we left. We ended up back there 14 days later. We're mm-hmm. back in the exact same spot. So <laughs> it's amazing how these things happen. But I, I think, you know, we, we kitted up. We went in. Um, Lonnie and I got about two and a half miles up the up the trail. Um, we split up. Lonnie got into Elk and, you know, and, and I followed a bugle up to this main ridge. And then we seen the front come underneath us because we're that high. <laughs> and within five minutes, we're, we're, uh, we're fogged in. It's snowing. Um, we both forgot our gators that day. We didn't have them, and we're very careful with how we do things in the mountains. We didn't have fire lighters, no lighter. I didn't even have my stove on me. I don't think you did either. Nope. Just no chasing gators. elk just to get <laughs> crazy for these things. Just to get elk. Yeah, like it's just that's that commitment it. to get into the monks. All your effort at hunting them, trying the to kill them. focus is there. Yeah. Anyway, we, yeah, look, we, we, I had to drop off the mountain because, you know, there's risk of hypothermia and making wrong decisions. It's not country that you can make a wrong step in. You know, you've got to be very careful what you're doing. Excuse me. And uh, and and I got Lonnie in the in reach. I said, "Mate, I'm heading back to camp. I've I've got to I've got to get the get to get a fire going." So we we ended up making it at the same same point. We left each other. Actually, it was funny how mm-hmm. that timing was there. We got back to camp at I don't know one o'clock in the day or something like that. Afternoon, as I said, afternoons were dead. So we decided that hey, we're going to dry ourselves out, ready to go for tomorrow. Like, there's no like. We're gonna wait for this storm to pass. It's like let's go and get our boots dry, so, so we, we can, can go do, it do again. This, all the all this again in the morning. And we're gonna take gators and a lighter. Like it's just yeah. there's no there's no like rest. It just there is this absolute drive to succeed against uh, to succeed something you have no control in. It's the weirdest feeling, and we've always said bow hunters are bred differently. A, a, a genuine straight bow hunter, like we don't pick up a rifle. We 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 do some at home, but we're bow hunters to the to the core, and it's just amazing what that can do. And the, when you hear a bugle, like I, I'd be there, I'd be struggling, I'd be hating, hating every every step that I was taking. My legs would be killing me after a big day, and all of a sudden a bullet pipe off. And I reckon Lonnie hated me because I'd just literally find the next gear. It's like, well, bull, and we'd be just going. And it's just like, how did that come? Like, where does that energy come from? And it's just this inner drive that you don't know. You can't find it. I can't find it 
with anything else I do. I play a lot of rugby league mm-hmm. and things like that, but the drive that hunting and chasing elk does, uh, red deer back home, as Brian, if you experienced this year, is very similar. You hear that deer go off and you just, I don't know, something just comes over you and off you go. And we laugh at it now, but it was so silly. Like We went straight back out the next day and, and I stalked into a bull and unfortunately the wind got me, but I had a nice six point, you know, within within 20 yards, you know, I couldn't see him in the shadows. There was that one in that bowl, right? Yeah, Where you that could see the, the cow and the cow. Hours. Took me two yeah. hours to stalk in. I had Brian's little voice in my head and another good mate from home in, in the other the other shoulder saying, Take your time. Patient kills the buck. You know. Two hours I took to get through the deadfall. It's snowing, it was starting to melt by this stage and I'm drenched, I'm freezing. Every time I every time I stopped I'd be just like locked up. Took me time, got in, I could see the calf at thirty five yards. Yeah, this is good. I know he's here. And I'd seen the bull by this time. And uh, I was just sort of getting myself ready to, you know, sort of glass around. I just felt that wind get lazy. And I heard the heard the cow bark and yeah, it happened. It was it took two hours to get in and it was over in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that elk hunting? Yeah, it's like oh it's man. So and that, yeah, you, you guys know, just have the same drive that I do. It's just those same feelings. There's mm. nothing in life that pushes me more or wants to you know, like you, you want to be out there and you do, it is like you are against the elements mm. and you're against these elk that have such keen instincts that just catch you the moment you make a mistake or, you know, a lot of times catch you when you don't even make a mistake. Like yeah. that's how keen they are, you yeah. know, and then they can cover so much country. Like Lonnie, I remember one of your stories <laughs> of chasing that bull over the coulee and over the next one and then down in the bottom and you were cussing your watch that told you oh. you needed to sit down. <laughs> and was, it's just yeah. hilarious, that, man. Yeah, and I wish I'd taken a photo of you when you got down that road there. Oh, <laughs> like I was just spent. Yeah. I was. I had just given it every little thing that I had yeah. get, that I could, and things just went quiet for about ten minutes. And the next time I heard him, he was back up the top. I'm like, how on earth did you do that so fast? Oh. I just dragged my back end all over Hill and Dale. And just in a matter of minutes, he was just back up on top where he started. I'm like, this can't be happening. And I was just gone. I I was wrecked. I had no water. I was just, um, yeah, I was out on my feet. But um, yeah. and mentally spent too. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. you guys, I just recorded the solo podcast for last week. And I talked about all the close encounters I had and the miles of chasing these elk and the long walks out with the headlamp and early mornings getting started. Like you just put your everything into it. And like you said, a lot of times that's not going to guarantee success. It's still got to come together yeah. and, and it comes down to making those real quality plays. But even then that wind can switch around so quick that yeah. bull can never come to your side of the cows and those, those elk, those big bulls, they have a knack for making the right move and stopping they right do. behind the tree or one more step or on the other side of the cows. It seems like those bulls, always have themselves in a really good position for them and a bad position for us. So it's like rare to just catch them and get that 
broadside shot we're looking for, but eventually it comes together if you yep. if you keep pushing and and uh, uh, striving for that. But yeah, man, I feel your pain. I was yeah. the same way. Yeah, you got to do you got to do one hundred percent right and just hope that they do that ten percent yeah. wrong. Yeah, that's right. And then you got to capitalize on that. But I mean, there's just no downtime. Like you might not be hiking through the day, or you know, you might be just laid up having a little little rest during the downtime in the it, during the day but your mind's going it's planning like it's planning the next hunt or it's planning where they're going to come out or like it, it just does not stop yeah that's it it's that how immersion gonna, in it how am i going to make it back to the truck yeah. tonight? <laughs> and yeah then, it's the and immersion then, and i think that focused energy and focused thought of just thinking exhausting. about elk it is, and, and but the thing that you're not thinking about is any problems you have or any issues. Like you're totally uh, uh, focused in mm-hmm. into this hunt, like totally present in that moment. And there's not much in life where you're totally a hundred percent present, all your mental and physical energy. I think it's part of the beauty of it, but it is exhausting. It is exhausting. It takes it, and and you're only going to get three hours sleep. And you're going to do all of that again. It is brutal. <laughs> and we love every we minute love of it. We love every bit of it. That's it. Yeah. It, it's funny, you know, talking about that mental thing. Um, I've got to say this one morning because it was me that was the cranky pants this particular morning. But we we were, we were camped in one um, drainage. And, uh, you know, it's busy. There's, you know, it's plenty of people trailheads and... The, the Aussie boys had some luck on this this other sort of drainage and they said, look, get around and have a look and see if the big boys moved in. They couldn't, at that point, they hadn't, you know, it was just all sort of raghorns and that. I think they found one sort of shooter that they yeah, that's right. might have taken. They're, they're chasing their first elk as well. So I said to Lonnie, I said, look, we're going to give, we had a really good evening. Um, we had a really good day. Lonnie nearly shot like a really nice bull. Um, anyway, just another tree story, but anyway. <laughs> And so we woke up the next week, so we'll give that little that spot a little rest. It was only a small spot. We were chasing these couple of elk in. Um, there was no one in it, so we thought, look, we'll go and check on this other drainage on the other side of the mountain. Anyway, so we gave we thought we'd give it, so we left it the truck. We left the camp at four thirty or something like that. Well, it's one of the worst roads we drove. It's the main road, and we finally get around. The sun's coming up. We're halfway around. We're not even there. So I'm blowing steam. Lonnie's trying to calm me down. He's not trying to miss out on a session. I just didn't want to miss a session. Because exactly. every, everything, we yep. knew the mornings. Because by the time, if you miss the morning session, you don't know whether there's any elk there or not. Like, that was as simple as it was. So if you weren't there sunrise to 10.30, yep. and you didn't hear a bugle, you effectively gone, you, you were effectively gone for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yep. So we, anyway, so Lonnie just grabs something. He's like, mate, there's a trail. There's a trailhead down the bottom of this hill. Um, let's just pull in there. Because I'm spitting chips that, you know, the sun's nearly up and, you know, I'm going off. I was cranky. So we literally pull into this trailhead and there's, you know, there's horse trailers and big, big fifth wheelers and that everywhere. And we didn't worry. It's, there's still enough, you know, darkness to make it work. You know, starting to see what we're going on. And as we got our packs on and, you know, just a bit of a day kit, we start hiking, we look up and we're like, this drainage is huge. And we're like, oh, well, let's see. I think by this time, Lonnie's thinking, cool, two hours, we'll be back in town drinking coffee because it was, it was nothing was going to happen. Like this was just like a, let's just go for a walk and see what happens. So I think we walked about four, four mile straight up yeah, and we're, I'm, I'm cranky. So I'm punching up this creek. I take this beautiful left turn that puts you straight on a knife ridge trail. Lonnie thought I'd been there before. I had no idea where I was going. 
get up this trail and we just pretty much kick you know sun's up by this time and seven thirty, eight o'clock whatever it may be we're just having a look around and we you know throwing a few bugles out things like that just you know just enjoying it. by this time we're pretty much just enjoying the surrounds absolutely gorgeous country some of the nicest country walking stunning absolutely yeah. beautiful um you know i think it's been pretty good deer country there too well look at it and then Lonnie just looks up and he goes, he goes, mate, have a look at that meadow up there. I said, no, nah, I had a look at it before. He said, no, nah, just have a look at it. Like, you know, we're starting to do the bees and the butterfly stuff now. <laughs> so I gave me Bon has a look up and he goes, I said, what, that big ball walking through the middle of it? Yes, where? And he puts me by and I said, there's this big ball. And he's that, he looks like a pin drop. Like it's, it's that far away, but you can tell this bloke's got things going on. He was a real deal. He was a real deal. And Lonnie goes, what are we doing? I'm like, we'll go, go and chase that elk. <laughs> and we've both looked at each other and gone, how in the world are we going to get over there before dark? And it's 9 o'clock in the morning, 8.30 in the morning. Anyway, so we climbed, like we were up high, and we're like, okay, here we go. So we dropped straight off the side of that hill. No one in their right mind would ever drop the height off the height we were. No one in their right mind would have even been at the top to start with. <laughs> <laughs> you just, know what I mean? Like, oh, like to, to us, it's just normal. But to people that don't <laughs> understand what we do, they'd be horrified we were even there. <laughs> Funnily enough, you know, it's amazing. We have a lot, well, myself, I have a lot of difficulty judging the perception of how big this country is, whether it's small or big, because so, it is so much bigger than home. But we actually got there in really good time. Like, we, we actually... Yeah. We punched it. We found a couple of really good trails and we're probably across there within an hour. Um, so we're underneath um, sort of this and it turned out to be a lot steeper than we thought. But And there was a really high meadow. It was only small. It was only mm-hmm. 100 yards by 100 yards around, I'm, I'm guessing. Excuse me. And um, so we thought, oh, we'll just have a bite to eat, a bit of a drink. There was a creek there, so we topped, topped up some water. And Lonnie's like, I swear I can hear him bugling. And it's hard when there's a creek, you know, you, you sort of, and it's above you, so it's sort of not really echoing to you. Well, that day, that afternoon was probably one of the, some of the best hunting that we'd ever had. We chased this thing around the mountain like nothing else. You know, long story short, we, I, you know, I actually ended up slipping the boots off. We'd put into bed, I slipped the boots off, and I, I tried to get in close, and I got into probably, I think, probably 80 or 90 yards in the timber off him. Wind was really starting to get dodgy. There's a bit of a front starting to come in, and it just wasn't looking right. And um, so I decided to back out. But as I just before I decided to back out, I, I actually I spotted I spotted his cow, and I actually glassed him, and and I could see his bases and his fronts, and I'm like, that's a, that's a proper ball, big dark timber, really heavy on you know really heavy bases, and I'm like, yep, right, we're not going to blow this guy out of the country. I'm going to back out, and we still had a couple of hours left of light. Yep. So I decided to back out, and Lonnie's way up behind me. He's like, oh, what happened? I said, I've backed out. Wind's terrible. He's like, cool, righto. We'll come back in here tomorrow. We're in the middle of way back, and we're way back. And uh, anyway, long story short, we we backed out, ran into a nice five point on the on the on the way out, and unfortunately that didn't come come off for Lonnie. Um, and then we uh, we punched it all the way back, and I think it was that was our sixteen mile, fifteen to sixteen mile day. I think it was. Um, yeah, that that one was starting to get up there. I don't think we. We had to go into town and and get a few um, groceries that night. Was so. that our trippy? Um, that was yeah. That was our trippy night in the in the food. We shop. were just spent. Um, we, <laughs> it was, was so bizarre. The pair of us were just walking around in the in the Whole Foods. Uh, we knew we had to get some oh, items for camp, but 
we were walking around looking at each other like what are we even here for which in a different state of mind when you have that in another planet and it's 16 17 miles whatever you guys did that but it's mountain miles it's with elevation we're not we're not a flat race track i I can i can run a marathon in three hours but i guarantee you guys did six seven hours of hiking at least to get that many miles like it's so many hours of exertion so that state of mind you're talking about is like almost you you walk so far you're so spent you're calorie deficient yeah you have in this different dimension oh, yeah. almost you know the big one i got out of that you know and this is where i was leading to us a very long way to get around to it but it was it was that push and that you know that your action for lonnie you know to be able to you know hunt together with, you, with one of your best mates but you know you have your bad good and bad days you know yeah. you can't you can't just yep. be can't just be all rosy the whole time but yep. for him to go hey mate there's a trail just down here put the effort in and something nearly comes from it and I think that's where I'm heading with it is trying to stay in the game in your highs and lows uh, or having a great hunting buddy that can help you through that and then you know it went back the other way numerous times as well Um, and I think that's where I was heading with it was you know that that mental toughness to still commit it was very easy to drive straight past that trailhead and go to town and have coffee Mm mm-hmm could have done that so missed true. the whole session. It would have been the easier choice. Yep. 100%. Yep. It would have been a whole much easier. But that that hunt opened up the next three days. We actually went back there the next day and hiked in. Um, I actually ran... We, we thought it was this guy. I spotted the elk. We were up on, this, on the same meadow. We set up camp in the opposite ridge. And we got in and I, I'd, we actually, we actually uh, blind-called the bull in. He just wasn't doing anything and I thought I'd busted his cow so we thought it kind of got pretty aggressive on him first time ever first time i've ever done it didn't really know what i was doing but you know i blew blew pretty hard on the bugle tube at him and he actually ended up coming quiet it was actually the biggest bull that we've seen the whole trip you know i'm talking sort of a 340 350 class bull something that really you know i had him at 43 yards and two aspens covering his chest so that's that and he just turned and walked out of our lives and we've never Mm -hmm. seen him again so you know it's those kind of things that keep coming make you come back you know we a lot of people that don't understand it or have never done it go, well, how come he didn't shoot one? Well, mate, I'm telling you right now, we did absolutely everything to try and do it. And it wasn't by our mistake or I didn't miss a shot or a bad placement or anything like that. It was just this thing just didn't take an extra step or not. It will talk one too many. And that's exactly why it's going to make it so much easier and for me to get on that plane tomorrow and knowing that I haven't killed an elk, knowing that we left nothing in the tank there was nothing more that we could have done to try and get it done. Um, it makes it that much more easier to live with rather than what about that day that we we didn't put in or what you can't have that. You can't have that playing on your mind. You you gotta go at it. If you're gonna do it, do it properly, do it hard and yeah. Hundred percent, man. Yeah. We we um, grew up and lived thousands of miles apart, but we're so similar in the way we think about things. Like, you know, I also had a couple muley hunts that I was unsuccessful mm. on, high country sure. that I absolutely love, and I gave it my all on those hunts. The first one. Yeah. Well, the Utah one, I was meant to be with you on that one. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the way it goes. It's when you take on such a difficult task and challenge, like you'd come up short now and again. And, and two, I think it's like the the more you learn this country and the, the, the better you learn elk, like the better your chances at finding success where you guys had to really pay your dues and hunt totally new areas. But I do think like what you're talking about, Craig, is this 
that mental toughness and that edge. Like I had a cameraman for a lot of my elk hunt. And just like you, like you have to be present in the spot that you're hunting. You can't always think the grass is greener somewhere else. So here you have this morning and you have your, your sun's rising. You're running out of time. Choose a random trailhead and you guys go punch up in there and then you take that left and you get on that knife blade ridge and you keep hunting. Like there's so much to like hunting the spot you're in. And sure, it's great when you have a bull located, you hear a bugle from the trailhead in the morning or the trail going in, you spotted this bull last night. Like that's all fine and dandy, mm-hmm. but there's this time in this place where you don't have an elk located, yep. you have a morning hunt. And, and why I mentioned my cameraman is like, as we were discussing this and talking this, like there was a couple times like I never had to talk him into going, but you know, he's doing what I'm doing. If I choose yeah. that the hunt's over, that we need to head back and grab some breakfast or lunch, that's what we're doing. But every time I was faced with this decision, I'd go, Oh, let's punch up to this next ridge. Like I know it's getting late. It's eight, it's eight fifteen. But we are in this spot right now. We have to give it our all in this yep. spot and see if we can locate one. And I remember telling him, like, man, you can just go over the ridge and then you hear a bugle or you see a bull and then you're on them. You know, and, and here we went up this next ridge till nine o'clock where it's like it would have been really easy to stop. Like we had made a good hike in the morning, an hour in the dark. We had pushed an hour and a half in the morning hunting good elk country, a few tracks, few rubs didn't hear see an elk and could glass a bunch of country got to this bench and it was like a good place to turn around because the next climb was straight up to this point you know but i said oh man we just got to get up to that next point i know it's getting late just get up there and see what we can see and see if we can locate one and sure enough we made that next push up and then I locate, you know, this great big bull that's pushing his cows to some timber that I ended up hunting for three days. And I located him just by being present in that hunt, in that moment, and yep. giving it my all on that hunt and not thinking about the next one or uh, where we're going to go to. Like, just, I'm in here now. Let's see if there's some elk in here now. And it happened multiple times on our hunt where my cameraman looked at me and he's like, I wonder how many times I've turned back when I'm one ridge away from finding elk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I'm one ridge away from finding yeah. what I'm looking for. You have it's to, like You have to be just as mentally and physically invested in the day or the hunt whether you're hearing bugles or hearing crickets, it can change in an instant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you got to go. Cameron's really put it, you know, how many times I turned around. That's, that's, yeah. You said, if you've got something in the tank, you need to use it. You, you actually, like, obviously we're in touch, you know, through the inReach and we're keeping each other up to date and, you know, the positive talk between the two, but you did, Brian, you did say something to me, um, you know, in one of the messages there, it's like, look, man, we got really lucky last year, how early the rut was. And that actually stuck with me for quite some time because I think it was like the tenth, and we were in the bugle and the bulls last year. You mm-hmm. know, it was we 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 struck it lucky, right? And that sort of hit me as well because I'm like, well, I'm probably walking past elk. Just because they're not bugling, but I think that that sort of made me concentrate harder in what I was doing, like the effort where I was making. Where do I put that effort? You know, so I started getting back onto the the onyx, or you know, and finding those little little pockets that I think that no one that everyone may be walking past and that's sort of how these couple of little hunts started coming into play was because we were you know we'd find it we find that little portion mm-hmm. we nearly shot that one that night and and it had a close run in with the one in the morning it was this little piece of the parcel where everybody else was driving well riding driving everything else past it yeah 
and we're just trying to get a little bit more tactful because I'm like, we're hunting a general unit, we're hunting general season elk. We're not going to have the one spotted or that big herd sitting up in that hill, not bothered like you know potentially a, a premier tag might bring you. And that changed my mindset because I was I was expecting the because all I had to go on was last year. You know what I mean? It's it'd been a few years since I chased elk. We weren't that far. So I was just using our hunt last year and trying to replicate that into the country we were in. It didn't quite work like that exactly, but there was similar traits. And, and that's all I was... I was just going back and I said to... I'd say to Lonnie numerous times, well, last year, this is what happened. So some of it worked, some of it didn't, but I think the biggest one was being present in the position that you were at the time. And it was amazing how many times that actually nearly, you know, nearly come off. Um, you know, that was maybe a little bit lucky or whatever it may have been, you know, that we, we looked into the meadow and seen that bull and it ended up, you know, finding us several bulls and a grizzly. <laughs> so. Elk lead to other elk too, right? Remember 100%. that from last year is you see an elk a long ways off, you make the big hike over there. That was my other point I wanted to make. And then you guys chase that big bull, but you found other bulls yeah. and they were bugling over there. Like yeah. elk leads to other elk. Yeah. And that was, that was a massive one. That really was, Brian. That was... I didn't really think of that in the time, but that was happening. You know, we, we yeah. found that bull and then like another bull come across the top of us that next day and we didn't, we're like, where did, we haven't seen that one before. Like, you don't see every elk that's in there. Like we tried everything we could to to try and find everything else that was in there. And we were hunting a very small patch of, of you know, of thicket. It wasn't, everything else around it was clear, you know. So it was just, this couple of bulls had cows pushed up in this tight little country and, and we we'll, give it all in there and, you know, it was only that, you know, they they just, there was no consistency. It was so thick. It started getting back to that point. It was like, well, how much more time do we use here? Um, the other boys had, by this time, had tagged out. Other Aussie buddies, they tagged out by this time. And they said, look, mate, there's a lot of elk in this other spot. You guys need to get here because they, they're going off quite well. Um, they were right. You know, they were. There was a lot of elk in there. It was it was, it was hard to hunt. They'd, they'd done very well to kill what they killed out of there. And... So, you know, and then I ran into a grizzly where he shouldn't have been. Um, I didn't have me pistol on me at the time because it wasn't to be known down there. And people were sort of questioning. I said, look, I've, I've seen my fair share of black bears. And I'm telling you right now, this is, <laughs> he was grizz every day of the week. So, you know, sheer size, the look and everything. So that put us there. We, we moved out of that area, playing it safe. We moved out of the area straight away, um, back to the trailhead and, and we changed spots. So... But, you know, being you, you talk about being present and, you know, we I have elk experience, but I don't have as much as you, Brian, but it's starting to put the pieces together on what, what and how they can work and what won't is a big one. You know, there can be a lot of wasted time. You know, I was mm-hmm. really concerned about, you know, jumping into a spot for too long. You know, we talked about backpacking into a spot and things like that. And Lonnie's like, the hard thing for Lonnie, Lonnie did a couple of sessions, you know, off, 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 you know, with camp on his back, but he said, look, I couldn't go anywhere because I had to see what the afternoon brought or I couldn't go past the morning because we didn't have the afternoons. You can't rule out country you in the middle of the day. You can't rule out country, no. no. So, so you have to sit and wait. Mm-hmm. More like sat and wait for the next morning to tick it off. And that yeah. was what was really difficult. Yeah. But, yeah, you got to make the most of the, the, the time that you are there, um, I feel, um, on that particular hunt. Um there was a there was a, a big knife ridge that sort of ran ran a long way. Um, as I was heading back to you that morning, there was a, a a nice herd of cows out in the open. But 
the ball was just subpar, which was just unfortunate. He was in a really, really killable spot, but just not what I was looking for. So, I mean, by by staying that extra day, had that been a ball that 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 sort of ticked the box for me, it would have worked in that instance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, devoting that extra afternoon slash morning to 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 re- really sort of covering the country, but. No, you're 100% right in, in what you say. Like, you, you can't... I don't think you can invest too much time when when the, the everything's just not aligning, you know what mm. I mean? Um, it's hard. Like, it's hard to it's hard to move country when you kind of know that it's going to eventually work. But we're, we're limited. We only have the three weeks, mm-hmm. and not, not, that's not all hunting. Like, there's travel and everything involved there. So that was probably the biggest mind play for me was knowing when to move and when not to move. And I kind of used our experience last year where we kind of left elk to find elk. And when we come back, they'd completely change their habits and kind of regret that move. You know, I think we maybe I should have stuck it out. But there's that adventure to see what is on the other side of the hill. It's like, oh, well, let's see what's down that end of it's the It's a unit. fine line, isn't it's it? It's a really, it's you so know. Is. Yeah. And look, I guess, you know, putting the elk aside, like, you know, we both had moments where we'd pop out of the out of the tree line and onto a ridge and just really realise what we're actually doing, what we're one of very few Aussies that come and get to do this, you know, in the country that we have. Um, you know, with you know, our lives revolve around coming to do this in, in, in certain ways. So there was moments there that we you know, we had to we had to smell the roses. Mm-hmm. And it was I think it's pretty important to do that as well uh, at the same time. So and as you said before, Brian, like, you know, the adventure was, well, the hunt was there, definitely. You know, the pursuit of the elk, you know, that that's the biggest driver. But at the end of the day, the adventure that we've had, to me, I've done some big ones, but this one was probably unmatched. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's what you, that's what you want. Yeah. That's all the makings, you know, for, yeah. a, for a great trip. And it, it is, I mean, you guys are on the different, a different side of the world like yep. experiencing something different in the rocky mountains chasing these elk and then you guys just immerse yourself in it you know with these close calls and and you're right like you kept pretty mobile it's like it is yep. tough you have to listen to your gut and your instincts a lot a wind to move and i thought you guys did a great job of mixing and matching the overnight trips and the backpacking or when they were further back and like you said that last spot if you could have had <laughs> a few more days there if you could have backpacked your camp in there exactly. and they were back a little bit deeper yeah. and it's just the way it goes it just took days to find these spots and these elk and these locations exactly but we know that now for next time we draw that right. tag yeah That's so right. we've, we've paid our dues as you say and we look at yourself brian you know that you know we, where we were you know you're back in there this year where we were hunting last year and it's just such a we we were literally throwing a dart on a map and going for it exactly like that is literally what we did for three weeks we had some information that came through. Um, I had another buddy that helped me out who's a, you know, Wyoming guy and, um, you know, he helped me out. He said, mate, I haven't been down there for, for ages, you know what I mean? But he, he's, you know, here's some spots to try. And we didn't hit sort of any of them directly, but mm. he gave us some confidence that we're in the right area. It's probably a better way to put it. Um, and, you know, and it come off. And, and you know, Alec and Tom, mate, I don't think they could do anything wrong. Everywhere they walked, they found elk. They just had a trip of a lifetime. They was your two buddies from Australia, yeah, yeah. They'd, uh, but they came out on their own, right? They, they did, did yeah. Yep. yeah. So they'd been to Colorado. Um, they'd shot a mule to reach. 
Oh, good for Down there in the high country. Um, come up, have the same tag as us. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, smoke, you know, a nice bull leech. Um, good but, for them. But credit to those guys as well. You know, they they knew the system. They knew how the how the tag system worked. They knew the country. They'd done their e-scouting. They walked. Yep. They walked the miles. They and they were successful. And yep. um, they were the same. The hospitality really helped them. They were talking to deer hunters. So every deer hunter that come past, all elk hunters, they just hey hey you know have a good chat with them. And yep. they ended up being around another spot and spoke to some deer hunters like mate. There's a pile of elk up in this can up in this canyon. You you need to get around there. Yep. And that's what that was the intel that paid for them. You know, it was just the hospitality of of the Wyoming residents or, or hunters in general is yep. what paid off. So help hunters helping other hunters to, you know, to act, to be successful, I think is just, like, that's just so good to hear because you don't, you know, I think that gets missed a lot. The competitiveness kind of seems to take over a little bit. But, you know, I think that, and and, and obviously they then invited us into the trailhead. Mm-hmm. And, mate, we had probably five of the best, some of the best days hunting elk, you know, that... Um, you know, we could have asked for yeah. really, and the final day, well, wasn't my, it was wasn't Lonnie's final. We went for one more session. It busted me. I did me, blew me boots out and everything else. But you know, I think that was the big the big day. But you know, we had a a proper proper elk party. Yeah. You know, for the and morning. It was and so good to see. Like I'd never ever witnessed anything like that. Oh, apart from reds, like I've seen red stags. You know, proper get into it. Um, but to witness the elk do it um was just um was mind-blowing and and to you know to to come from another country here enjoy what you guys have have got here meet some awesome people um see some awesome country get to witness elk do their thing i've seen bears i've called in a couple of bull moose um you just can't ask you push yourself to the limit you can't ask for any more than that you just can't. Nah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, we we you know we a uh, game warden come in to camp on more or less that night. I think the big night wasn't it when we came in. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was the big night. Yeah, so game warden comes in having a chat and honestly, mate, couldn't have been a nicer guy. Like just you know, just such a good dude and you know, and he goes, "Have you got any questions?" I said, "Well, mate, honestly, I don't have a question, but I just want to thank you for what you guys offer." You know, for us to come from the other side of the world to be able to do this, and you know, obviously I follow, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the conservation things and all those kind of things that happens. I follow a lot of that, and hence why I've got background in the tags and how they all work. But I think when we thanked him for that, you could see the look on his face of maybe a little bit of accomplishment and pride, because you know, it, at the end of the day, without everything that goes around the hunters doing what they do, and you know, all our you know all the, um, you know the fishing games and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it we don't have that at home. Ours is the other end of the scale, so we really, really appreciate it. And you guys have got something amazing, and you really need to look after it because we're on the other end of the scale, and it's it's not good. So to be able to come here, and I think that's what helps us drive to get here every year too, because I've I've stopped the whole chasing properties to hunt and all that back home. Um, because I will say all most of ours is all private land hunting, as you, you've seen, Ryan, and you know it's very political with property owners and managers and those kind of things. So to be able to come here once a year, just pretty much hunt freely, you know, within whatever, depending on whatever tag you've got, you know, it's really special, especially for someone like us that 
you know, live for it sort of thing. So, And you actually do feel free. Like to, to you step out of the vehicle, throw your pack on, and you and it is a totally different feeling walking into these public lands than it is us walking into our private block that yeah. we hunt. It's a totally different feeling because you you you, you do you feel free, and it's an amazing amazing feeling to yeah. see to see families like you know the big rigs rock up. You know, there's mum, there's dad, there's grandpa, grandma. Got the, the kids, the kids the buggy, in the back of the side by the side, side by side, the horses, just enjoying the outdoors. And it's just like it's the best. It is unbelievable. Like you know, and I'll you know for those that probably don't know, like national parks in Australia, you're more or less locked out of them. You're not allowed to use them. You know, here you guys are with national forests. I know it's like a little bit different, but you know your national parks here. We drove through Yellowstone on the way home, and, and how many mm-hmm. thousands of people were through there? Yeah, enjoying something that's obviously very special to you guys and, and yeah. you know, the US in general. Yeah, 90% of our national parks at home have got a gate across them. Hmm. You know, yeah. and I think that's where, you know, people go, oh, you're kind of going on a bit, but it's like, you know, until you actually come here and experience this freedom that you guys have got as far as, like, from a hunting perspective and the outdoors perspective, it's it's truly unbelievable. And, and that's what just makes it easy to go home without a set of antlers. But well, oh, I guess yeah. at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to. Yeah. Um, we love the pursuit of it, and I can't wait to do it. I hope I don't lose the drive for it when I eventually do get that bull that I want. I don't think I'll ever will, but yep. you know, there's plenty of other hunts we'll do for sure. But oh, yeah. it'll it'll light that fire even hotter. <laughs> it's like uh, uh, there's some guys that uh, accomplish something or uh, set their sights on a goal and kill a big bull and go, well, I got my big bull on the yeah. wall. I'm done hunting elk. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely that type of person. But I think we're wired a bit different. Oh, is yeah. when I kill a big bull. It's like, man, I want to climb Everest again. <laughs> I want to start putting in the mm-hmm. work for next year. You know, they yep. they say that this is a once in a lifetime bull. It's like, ah, oh, I'd like I to kill a so. couple in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it was like yesterday. We get back and we're talking tag tactics within thirty minutes of getting us in the house and seeing yeah. Brian. We're talking tag tactics for next year. Yep. How can we get another tag? And it's like, yep. oh. Six weeks ago, I said that I wasn't coming next year. So. <laughs> it's a real problem, oh, isn't it? It's, it's an addiction, it's, but it's a good yeah. addiction. And oh, we do yeah. come back as, as better people. Better people. Yeah. yeah. It's like to be able to cut ourselves loose physically and mentally and have yeah. this reset. We do come back as better husbands, better fathers, better at work, more driven. To grow, you need to challenge yourself yeah. and to push yourself to those limits. Yeah. Otherwise, you just stay stagnant. Mm-hmm. You need to... Um, well, to, to grow, you, you need that in your that life. That day I was kicking around the dirt, you know, because, you know, we, we, we dug plenty of bear beds on the side of the hill and have a sleep, don't worry yeah, about we that. we tried to. That. And, um, you know, there was this one day that I was there and, you know, I was just looking in, I was literally just looking in the dirt, you know, because, you know, a lot of, for anyone that's hunted there's a lot of downtime. And I said, I just looked up Lonnie, I said, you know what I'm going to do when I get home? It's like, what? I said, I'm going to make sure that I take my kids out at least once a week, just go and lay in the grass on the lawn. Just look at the dirt. Yep. Just smell the roses. Just have them involved in, in stuff that is so simple. But you don't get that. You don't think of that kind of stuff anywhere else. The the, the, the day-to-day grind yep. smothers all that. And then, you know, we get to do what we did in the hills and some of the photos and that we've got and the things we've seen. You know, the photos will never do that country justice. I don't care how good a photographer you are. You, it's never going to happen, but... 
You did get some good photos. Did but, best, but yeah. you're right is that it just doesn't do justice to experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we do get so caught up in life with uh, constantly entertained or thinking about the next move or getting this ready for tomorrow or this deal that we don't spend enough time just looking at the dirt and the ants and the yep. tree. And we don't get enough time to think anymore to, you know, and it gives us perspective on our lives and how we're living them and yeah. our interactions with other people. People. So I think mm. it's like so important, like uh, like you guys talk about kicking out a bare bed or laying in the dirt and you're there kicking out like a, a, a flat spot to lay in that's comfortable. Well, you're basically it's, becoming an, an animal again. Yes. You know what I mean? You're stepping back thousands and thousands of years, you know. It's like, in us. It's in our DNA. It's natural yeah. like to be out there and to be on that chase and yeah. that hunt and to our ancestors like you think it means a lot to us now, and it does. It's everything to us. But if you can imagine starving to death or killing an animal, and how much it meant to them, yeah. that they they had to harvest to survive or to yeah. keep their uh, their families alive, their kids alive. They yeah. had to harvest an animal, and so like that that drive is in us. Like that's mm. there's a reason why we'll push up these mountains and we'll wake up at these. Uh, wild hours and we'll push ourselves to our limits like it's in our dna it's what we're meant to be doing yeah. and when you're in the woods and you're becoming this this animal state and it takes a few days to get in the rhythm with the yeah. mountains again Indeed, four like, or five you, days, I it, it's tough yeah. you got this hustle and bustle that's built into us where we're constantly working and striving and family and i'm at this deal and i need to be in this engagement to just unwinding and chasing elk and looking at the dirt like it feels a little out of place at first but once you start to get into the rhythm you're like this is what i'm meant to be doing yeah. like this, this is, is it this I, is it yeah i'm living it right yeah. now i'm living the adventure that that i that i that i want to be living living the life that i want to be living like yeah. man it's so powerful it's so fun yeah i think that you know the setup like we we go home and we will now set up for the next 12 months and there's not a lot of things that can do that yeah. and i think you know, I, I go back to, oh, there's so many stories and we, we could be here for hours, but, you know, we go back, go back to the people I met, you know, to Braden that picked me up on the road after the, one of the biggest morning sessions I'd done, picked me up on the road and I, you know, I just, ex yeah, thank you. And then we, he's like, no, I'll drive you up the trail. And this trail was terrible. You know, so I've never been up here. He's, he's a local, local lad. And he drove up. We shot two grouse on the way up. <laughs> Had an absolute ball. Had to adventure with some guy you'd never some met. Guy. Some American with yep. some Aussie but guy. you're creating memories for him. He yep. would imagine what he would have went home and told his family. Yeah, I know. It's like there's some random Aussie guys on the side yeah. of the road. <laughs> he takes me up, drops me off at me at uh, camp, and goes, "See, man, best of luck." You know, it's probably one of the coolest 45 minutes an hour or whatever I spent yeah. with him. Like it was unreal. Just random. I packed up camp, and. uh no, I didn't pack up camp at that point. I just, I had, I had, I had a bit of feed, and I drove back down the track, bounced me away all the way around the bottom. I come around the corner, and here's this, you know, big, at least caravan and a big, big truck, you know, twenty five hundred, thirty five hundred truck and a caravan, trying to turn around the track, like in one more foot, and this thing was rolling. You know, forty five minutes later, I get, you know, it's a gentleman and his dad. His dad's. I don't know, one of the coolest dudes I've met, eh? But, you know, he's, he's late 70s and he's, he's, you know, he's probably mid-40s. No, no disrespect if he, ever, if he hears this, but 
Yeah, I think that's what they were. You know, the coolest dudes, like just absolute larrikins. And, uh, you know, 45 minutes later, we get this caravan out. I don't know how we lifted it off. But anyway, we got it out. And uh, I think that I thought the thing was going to snap in half. But get it out. And the old man, he's hooting and hollering. And every time I drove past that camp, I was just getting the biggest hoo-ha from the road. <laughs> and they knew the truck. And it was just... And I'm like... And then Lonnie says, like, can you imagine what they're going to say when they get home? Yeah. This other guy <laughs> helps out. And then... I think sometimes we, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to remind everybody of this, you know, hunting has got very competitive and it's very social media and big bulls, big bucks, whatever it is. But I mean, you guys start, you know, really start enjoying it together and join other people that are doing it with you because I think that's what's keeping it alive. Yeah, you know. Well and, said. You know, I think we, we met another, or Lonnie, you know, Lonnie especially, we met a family from Utah. A gentleman waited 14 years for his deer tag and they couldn't find a deer. You know, and and that 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 smashed me. Like I'm just yeah. like, you know, this is more or less. He's on his last hurrah for this deer hunt. You know, and he's, you know, they we helped him out. Like Lonnie said, whether he'd seen some barks, and we spoke some other country. We did everything we could, and he come up to us and he goes, "I got a video to show you." And he showed us a video of his 15 year old daughter going back a couple of years ago, but you know, shooting his her once in a lifetime moose, and watching that guy, that cowboy's hand shake while he was watching that video. And I'm sure he's watched that every day for the last two years. He was so proud. Super proud. He came back and showed us that video. And, I mean, she nailed this thing too. Like, she was a crack shot. Like, full credit to her. And there was, you know, he was there. They scouted it. They did the whole, the whole show. And when they, when she, she they took the uh, the moose back to camp. And it's a, it's a stud. It's a, you know, Boone and Crockett in Utah. And they, the whole family's there. The grandma the grandfather, yep. all the siblings, the buddies. Like, there must have been 20 people there. Yeah. And just watching this guy show us this video, and that was pretty much my and that's That thing. was my hunt like, for this trip, seeing the passion that come out of that, that gentleman for his daughter and just his family in general and what they had created. That pretty much ticked the box for me. Yep. That was done. And hunting brought all that together. Yeah. It's pretty special. Yeah, it's super special. Yeah. You guys bring up a really good point. Like, Craig, you said it really well. It's like, um, you know, out there, it's also to your benefit as well. Like, again, it comes back to this karma you put out. And and as I hunt and I run into guys, like, you know, I, I don't want to tell everybody everything of where the exact no. location or pin where I'm hunting, but I can share information with them and then people are able to open up to me and not that i'm using it for my own benefit but sometimes i'm just helping motivating these guys so you're doing same, it right now through your podcast yeah exactly yeah. yeah and same thing this year i mean i ran into two dakota boys in the dark at a trailhead i asked them what their plan was they were going in the drainage we're going to go up this ridge i'm going to mm-hmm. stay out of your way well you know then we run into them that night with headlamps and, and we're back in the middle of the middle of just like <laughs> nowhere. And of course, I've got good confidence of where I'm headed and where I'm going and down this ridge line and down to this trail. 
and they're from North Dakota and super knowledgeable guys, great hunters, but they're on like their first elk hunt and they had just got themselves in this pickle chasing bulls where then it got dark and they're thinking of grizzly bears. And so they ran into me and I'm like, I'll follow us out. Yeah, we'll take you yeah. out. We were two, three hours of hiking out in the dark and, you know, he's like, oh, you guys are just absolute billy goats, just sweat piling down their face <laughs> and they were going. And I, I, I made friends with these guys and yeah. I checked in and I... I didn't hide anything from him, but I told him the bull I was after and where I was at. And after we hiked out, and we became friends like, oh, we're going to stay out of your way tomorrow. We're going to go down in here. And then I'd tell him about my encounters or the elk rut that I'm seeing or the information that I have. All of a sudden, you're able to gather all this information out. I ran into another guy like you guys. He was 80 years old, and he knew a teacher that teaches my daughter down in this school. He was 80 with his recurve, and he was going up the mountain and just gave me like the the best advice that he was going to die on his feet, you know, and that he was going to do what he loves. He loves the smell of sage. He loves the smell of elk. He told me that, you know, living 100% is 10% in the rearview mirror, 10% of what's in front of you, and 80 percent right now here in the present just like these powerful powerful. messages that i talked to him for 30 minutes on the trail and then you know told him where i'd seen elk and that they're getting started bugling and he told me his plan to drop down in the bottom with the aspens and i said no i haven't been in there there might be a bull down there but all these people that i'm running into that i'm sharing information where i'm not giving my exact spot or location but i'm sharing my encounters and what i'm seeing in the rut connecting and then they're sharing that information with me and and to be honest this is a huge part of being successful is just being like uh just being cordial and friendly giving guys their space so we can all enjoy these lands together sharing information to help them with their success you know i've been in touch with a couple moose hunters that have this tag i saw a bull texted that guy where i'd seen the bull and you know also just keeping in communication with them mm-hmm. as well yep. but yeah i think this is a a huge part of sharing these this great resource that we have and this great opportunity that we have and and you guys have done a stellar job and i think that's why you even really enjoyed your trip as well and i think it's also it's like you guys thought for yourself and found your own elk areas whether you had a couple leads a couple pins you didn't end up in those exact spots and you had to go find elk for yourself but you're also like getting information along the way, these breadcrumbs along the way that are helping you piece everything together to put you into this elk party or into, uh, you know, these close encounters with that elk. And I think it's a huge part of hunting. And I, I think it's something that a lot of times that I've avoided that like I'm almost a bit embarrassed of, like I just take off from a trailhead and didn't want to talk to anybody and just want to get out on my own and go have my experience where now it's like, I'll talk to the guy at the trailhead and go, hey, what's your plan? Okay, I'll do the yeah. opposite. Or, hey, how's it going? You know, you're doing what I'm doing. Like, you know, to just share story yeah. a little bit. And I think that's a huge component of it and something that I've got better with over time, but something that I can continue to improve on. And I think a lot of guys can and still find great success. Sure. Like there must have been 12 trucks at that trailhead. Yeah. We never ran into anyone. And that's the thing. Like there was a there was a lot of times there where um, guys are just, you know, they'd be just driving past if we were at camp or or whatever it may be. They'd pull up and and have a chat, and before you know it, they're like, oh, if you if we're still in the in the same country, just give us a holler. We can help pack out yeah. your ball or whatever. Everyone, everyone like, offered help. So and it, helpful. I've had strangers help me pack those, out a ball. 
those guys that we found, um, those two young guys from Encampment, we found their, we found their, um, we found, found their, their dog. Hand. Yep. Found they were, hand. they yep. were up in another unit there, just, um, just hunting lions, lions and, yep. um, yeah, we got chatting to those guys and they said, oh, look, if we're, you know, if we're, we're still, uh, still around, we're more than happy to give you a hand yep. and yep. just yep. super helpful they'd guys. Lo- they'd know. lost their dog. They'd been hunting all morning and we went past me, sort of just a quick wave, you know, just polite wave and then. We only went another mile and he's a hound going the other way and Lonnie's, Lonnie's a dog man and he's like, mate, that's their dog. Long story short, we ended up turning around, ripped all the way back to him. It's like, went in the window, hey boys, have you lost a dog? Yeah. You know, have you seen him? It's like, yeah, mate, he's going the other way. We'll go and catch him for you and, you know, you guys catch up. And he, the dog had gone up, up the track, you know, it was just following, going back reverse on the scent. But, you know, they were just like, forever thankful because they were going completely over the direction. It's just the little things. It's just... And we had those guys, you know, they all the mountain bike guys that they're all parked up the yeah, trail, right. and they'd come down, and we were at the trail, and they said, "Oh, well, we'll you know, what are you boys doing?" It's like, "Well, mate, we'll, you know, we're we're probably looking to head out of you, so if you want to come back down this afternoon or whatever, we'll park now, whatever you want to do." And we had a good old chat with them. Here's yeah. a Rico from some from Eastern. the Midwest somewhere, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Where, yeah, so first elk hunt, he had four or five buddies helping him. It was just awesome, awesome mm-hmm. to see, and I don't know. Just really good in- interactions with everyone. Really positive, yeah. really, um, really helpful guys out there. So it was really good to see. You know, and I, I know it gets harder when you know you got those limited entries, and you know there's a there's a bull called Larry, and the twenty blokes are after him. And that like, to be really honest with you, that's not me. You me know, neither. I'll draw an Arizona tag or something one day, hopefully. You know, but I can tell you right now, I'm I'm not going for units. The bulls are named. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you that right now, because yeah. to me that's that that's not hunting. It's just it's hard. Yeah, I don't know. I it's don't just know. different. It ruins the mystique of it, you know. It's yeah, it's, like the adventure. I don't want, you don't want to get political about it, and, yeah, all, and I'd, yeah, I'd love, yeah. to, I'd love to shoot some of the boy, the bulls that they do. But I'd love to, I'd love for that bull not to be known. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Go have you know, an experience. You know, just yeah. to go and pull a bull. You know, those ones we'll, that fellow will chase last year. I, I, I swear, hardly any people even saw that bull. Mm-hmm. You know, and the big fellow that we yeah, come out. Sure. It, what, well, actually, I didn't touch on that. The biggest bull I'd seen, we thought he was the other bull, but he wasn't. He was a completely different bull. Yeah. And he was quiet. Never made a bugle. Never made a noise. And he came in silent, you know. He, that was in the middle of nowhere, which I don't even think anyone would have seen them bulls, you know. And that I think that, that means something to me, just the unknown, you know. It's just, yeah, it's pretty special. That is. That's it. You want to go have your own experience out there. And there's... Uh, still opportunity for it. And yeah. even when you see trucks on a road, trucks on a trailhead, country's big out there. It's you get so away big. from them. And elk are where humans aren't. And so when you get into elk, they're in there for a reason. And so even me, all my encounters I had this year, I, you know, I had one guy that spooked the elk I was after and, and good on him. He had hiked up this rugged canyon and probably heard him calling because they were going nuts up there. But the other eight, nine, ten encounters I had. It was me versus the elk, mm-hmm. me versus the bulls in this backcountry, and yep. that's exactly what I'm yep. looking for. A couple for. of the places that, that Craig and I found, um, we'd be on, a, on X and we'd be sort of searching around and we'd start packing into these little areas and or, you know, and we'd we'd look at this ridge or this or this mountain and it would be, I don't reckon anyone's walking up that. 
and then it would be, well, we are. There we go. <laughs> and how much better is e-scouting in real time than oh. when you're sitting in oh, Australia? Yeah. Oh. Or like when you're so, trying to plan so it before then, you kind of yeah. make some, some game plans, but that scouting in real time, yeah. looking at your map, yeah. it, isn't that a powerful tool? So much better. Like yeah. I've I done a fair bit of e-scouting um, at home know. before I come over, but um, so, some of it was useful and some of it wasn't, but... Um, but yeah, there were so many times that we just got into country that no one else was going to, like very few people are going to go. Um, and it paid off a few times, you yeah. know. We, we, got into, we got into elk and um, like so many times that happened over the three weeks, it, we just needed that one more step or that ten more, two more seconds of good wind. Yeah. Um, That's all it was. Actually, if you go back to every single one we had, it was either yeah. another step. Or the windows to hold out for that. We we both had opportunities on great bulls, like great. Like I had an opportunity on a um, on a on a seven six great ball. Uh, was he forty five yards or yep. something? I think he was. I just needed one more step, just one more step. But there was just so many of those instances. But they're, they're that, just they out of your control. Like and you once can't they do once they turn that. and go, they're turning gone. Like they're not. Yeah, you're in thick. It's timbered country. You know how it is. Like you know, it's not open. Unfortunately, it was an open meadow country where you could, you know, five or ten yards didn't matter. It wasn't like that. But that's where the bulls held up. That's where they were. So, you know, as you said before, we had to find the bulls where they were, not where we wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. And that was the big one. Like, we wanted them to be in this certain country yeah, because we can... knew that we could hunt them there. But they weren't. They they held to the, you know, the pressure obviously pushed them into the, the thicker country. What amazed me, actually, the, the where we hunted them the last few days was the bulls, they just kept doing their thing no matter what pressure was there. That was really different. Um, I'm sure they got pushed and, you know, within a, within a, within reason, but they still kept doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and that really blew my mind. But um, as we got out further and, and away from that darker timber, that changed. You know, so as they got more back up into the meadows and things like that, you bumped them, they were bumped. You know, they they'll gone into the next drainage or whatever it was, but... That was kind of crazy in that thick, mm-hmm. that thick timber country, but you know it's so good. Yeah. You know, I, I remember coming popping out on this one ridge, and I counted five or six different bulls, all just five points. And I'm like, well, your your elk population's healthy. You know what I mean? That's all I could say. I was like, none of them I wanted to. Put, they were too far away anyway. But none of them I wanted to chase. They weren't big enough for me to chase them. But you know, it was, oh, it was an awesome sight, you know, just seeing the mm-hmm. big skyline bulls with their cows and you're just like, have a go at that. You know, just unbelievable stuff. Like, there wasn't a day that, there wouldn't be a day we wouldn't pull something from it. Yeah. Yeah, that's making the most out of it. Yeah. It's a, a, a backcountry adventure. Yeah. We really had a good yeah, trip. Yeah, you guys it's, went for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, uh, such great bow hunters and um, uh, such great guys. So, yeah, just um, fortunate to be able to spend time with you, and we just have to share a hunt in the future. So we'll start making plans, and we'll get in on one of these hunts next season. And uh, just good work, you guys, like soaking in the adventure, getting into elk consistently, making plays, like one more step, a couple more minutes of good wind. It's like that is elk hunting. That Mm -hmm. is – 
my experience, every good elk hunter I know's experience, but eventually it just starts coming together. And and uh, you guys have definitely built the skill set and the elk knowledge, and now have some good locations that you can hunt, you know, yeah. over and over mm-hmm. again, and can come back to. Uh, so you're just building your elk resume, and um, there's no doubt some big bulls are going to hit the deck in the future, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you guys are going to do it. So, yeah, keep after it. It's, like, really good to hang out with you guys, like, the few days that we got to spend together, and um, would definitely be more adventures in the in the future. And, oh, yeah. Craig, you've got the, the podcast. I've been on it a couple times. You do yeah. great episodes on there. I love tuning into the podcast. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to pick it back up. But, yeah, um, yeah been, this life's got in way the last few months, but, yeah, yeah. hunting camp down under so yeah it's um yeah there's some good good stories especially from back home oh on, you do so. a great job and lonnie you've been on there a handful of times i think yeah. you shot a fox live on there i think the <laughs> yeah. one i listened to the out of the I cabin did. or something yeah, right yeah, yeah. Um, we, we we get a bit loose on there occasionally <laughs> this, that's uh, good yeah the, we had this fox uh he was coming in uh sneaking around stealing a bit of rubbish here and there he Stop. actually stole one of my flip flip flops <laughs> <laughs> he chewed the strap on my flip flop and um there was uh jake craig and myself um uh, recording a podcast and we seen him just sneak in and um yeah so i quickly grabbed the bow and and he sort of snuck off but we knew that he would be long and he'd be back so i kept the arrow on the on the string and just uh yeah waited for him to pop back in and it actually yeah shot him through the um the fly mesh of the door <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so that's that, pretty uh, that's probably one of a kind i would imagine but. and then and then i got to chase reds with you last year craig you shot an amazing stag and we recorded that for your podcast cool. as well yeah uh it had such a great time there and in Australia, chasing That's the red, red sandbar. Lonnie, you came by for a night, yeah, spent sure. a night. Yep. We had some good laughs there. It was mm-hmm. great. And yeah. then uh, you chased the um, uh, Asiatic water buffalo quite a bit. So, yeah, like yeah. hearing you talk about that and the um, the salties, the crocs that sit uh, there and dragging the boat by the crocs, yeah. and then that northern yeah. territory and yeah. the the hogs you guys chase. Like you guys have a bunch of good hunting we out do, there yeah. in like Australia I, as well. I uh, I try to go up to the the territory and visit. Made up there once a year, and um, it's just a totally, totally different adventure, but just as physical and mentally demanding as as these man, mountains you got here. But um, yeah, totally different hunt. But um, yeah, yeah bow, awesome bow hunting is in a big development stage back in home too. Mm-hmm. So that's where our podcast and that have really, you know, over the last few years, there's quite a few of them now. I was lucky I started sort of when there wasn't too many sort of, I guess, bow hunting emphasis um, or emphasis on bowing, I should say. Um, but you know we crossed over between all hunting but you know we're in a big development stage you know where we've got a you know hunting's a little bit of a different outlook back in australia so you know we're hunting what's so-called you know introduced species um even though that we believe wholeheartedly that our deer belong in our in our bush but um you know so it's, it's an interesting phase and we we do we watch you guys a lot and you know i know a lot of people back home you know really you know, really look up to a lot of the, you know, like yourself and a lot of other well-known bow hunters, you know, um, we, Lonnie and I, we talk about, you know, like yourself, Brian, getting out, coming out to Australia, doing Hawaii, you know, on a damn car, mate of yours that, you know, does the same thing. There's Remy Warren, like these guys, like you guys are just so well-rounded, you know, like I know there's guys out there that can go and shoot their big elk every year and that's it, you know, but you guys get out there and, 
no matter where you're going, you're a killer with a bow. And that's that to us. That's yeah, like that, that. That just not. That's that's a big notch in our heart because for you to walk in like we did, you know, I took you in those those deer that you know back home and and Jake, you go in and do what you did, harvest it like it was just like I'm just chasing another animal and I've got me bow and I know what I'm doing, like that. That's something pretty special and and that's what we're trying to share around. That you know that whole round of week us coming here, we're trying to just bring our skills here. Sometimes it pays, sometimes it doesn't, but we're building that we're building that toolbox and. Some of the stuff we learn here, we'll take back home, you know, especially on Absolutely. the the, the physical, you know, the mental toughness and the physical stuff. We'll take that back home and and put it to practice. But you know, I think, uh, as I said, I, I I could go on forever, but you know, just my closing words would be just yeah, look after what you got. Yep. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I won't take it lightly. Yeah. No, he's got a beautiful thing here, and um, yeah, it's just been a pleasure to um, to to be a part of it. I, I feel I really feel um, blessed that. I uh, got the ability to come over and and uh, witness what you guys have got. So yeah, thank thank you very much for um, for for having us here and yeah. all the help and um, yeah, it's very much appreciated. Yep, my pleasure. Yeah, amazing guys. All right, sounds Cheers, good. Man. Thanks Let's for the time, Do a buddy. wrap. Yeah, get you guys to a plane. So yeah, thanks <laughs> thanks for the recording. I really appreciate it. Uh, no worries, man. Thank you. Okay. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Again, thanks to my friends. Um, Craig and Lonnie, just great guys. And again, that that uh, podcast, you can listen to it, is Hunting Camp Down Under. I screwed it up on the intro, but it was right at the end. So I, did, uh, I didn't want to have to go record. And I knew Craig said it on the podcast, and I'll repeat it here on the ending. But just great guys. I do listen to that podcast. It was just drawn a blank. Uh, but uh, yeah, they do a great job. There's a couple episodes that I've been on there. And uh, some other great episodes like we talked about in the podcast where Lonnie shot a fox on the podcast. And um, yeah, some good stuff on there. So check that out. Thanks again to those guys for being on and um, just being great guys and great friends. I really enjoy my friendship with them. And then, um, yeah, can't wait to connect with them again, whether it's here in the States or there in Australia. Lonnie's got some um, Lonnie's got these ends for hunting uh, the Asiatic water buffalo in the Northern Territories was just wild. He tells me about it, and uh, they're like dragon boats by saltwater crocs. And he talks about those saltwater crocs, how um, uh, there is no mystery that if you go next to their water hole with a big saltwater croc in there, he will attack you 100% of the time. It's just so wild to hear about and just some of the snakes in there. It's just... Um, it's crazy. It's just a different part of the world. So uh, I know these guys were... Um, Really kind to host me when I went there this spring, and uh, yeah, just um, it just reminds me how similar us hunters are, even if we grew up on the other side of planet Earth. So um, anyways, great guys, great podcast. Thanks again for them being on, and I uh, want to thank our sponsors for today's show, so Savage and Swagger. I uh, want to thank Black Ovis, again, the, that promo code is um, Elevated10 and Camo Fire. Um, uh, promo code for the Mule Deer course is Brian MDC. Get that free mag view. Uh, it's that Digiscope. Uh, hook right up to your scope or up to your binos, and uh, you can get some great video there. So, man, with that, um, yeah, over at Eastman's, we've got the magazines Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal, our Tag Hub, and then um, that Mule Deer course that I just gave you the promo code for. And uh, make sure to check out our new Beyond the Grid episodes on YouTube. So with that, man, um, just um, 
getting construction work done. I'm uh, I'm I'm down on um, carpenters, so having to do a lot of the carpentry work and just do my book work and podcast stuff early mornings and evenings, which it's all working out. Just um, want to have more time to go hunting, that's for sure. But um, I'm gonna take off this weekend and go for a backpack trip. It'll be a solo trip, which is really fun for me. So. Um, yeah, I'll bring the camera and try to capture it, but, um, solo backpacking in some good muley country, just watching the weather, kind of tough to get to my access road if it's raining. And of course I've got rain in the forecast for Thursday. So just trying to problem solve, seeing if I'm going to bring my dirt bike back down there or, um, how exactly I'm going to get in and try to watch how much rain there is. There's always variables to all these hunts. So anyways, just trying to work out that and, um, get uh, my work done here so I can get out of town. I was hoping to maybe leave tonight, but more likely I'll probably have to work tomorrow and then leave Thursday and go for like a three-dayer, but um, should be fun. We're coming into late season mule deer, which I'm stoked about. Uh, New season rutting mule deer bucks. So um, yeah, going to get after it and see if we can't get one arrow. So with that, um, thanks so much for the support, you guys. Uh, thanks for the reviews on, um, iTunes and Spotify. It really helps out the algorithm and thanks for the shares on social media. I always try to reshare anybody that's sharing the podcast and, um, yeah, and also try to follow along with you guys and follow along on your adventures. So, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, with that, that's a wrap and I'll catch up with you guys next week.